0: Uh, So Jesus is about to tell us that he is the good shepherd. Um, And before we get to that, I want to be very upfront and honest with you and say that I know nothing about uh, sheep or next next to nothing. Um, I've never really been around sheep. I don't know much about sheep. My parents never uh, we never raised sheep or like anything like that. So so me going into this, let me be very upfront and honest. If this was a, was a sermon about how to be a shepherd or how to take care of sheep, you don't want me to tell you how to do that. Um, let me tell you what I know about sheep. They're white and woolly. But they can also be black or brown or gray. Uh, and some of them have hair instead of wool. And they taste good if you cook them well. That's it. That's all I know. Uh, anything else about sheep, you should go ask someone else. I also don't know much about being a shepherd, um, but here's what I do know. If you're a shepherd, you watch the sheep, and you hire a dog to do most of the work. That's it. <laughs> so that's that's all. Um, so I've had to do a little research, and, and over the years I've, I've heard some things, and you have too, about how uh, humans, how people are very much like sheep. We, uh, to an extent, are... Uh, kind of dumb, we need a leader, we are, we are foolish, and usually that's, that's where, we, uh, where we stop this uh, kind of comparison to us and sheep, and I had to look some of this stuff up, right, I had to know, are sheep really that dumb, are sheep really that stupid, because one article says yes they are, and another article says no they're not, so I found two articles, both from the British Broadcasting, uh, was it company? Uh, both from the BBC, one was published in 2005, uh, said there was a herd of sheep in Turkey, uh, that there were about 1,500 sheep, and all of them, every single one, walked off of a 50-foot cliff. Only 400 sheep died, because the ones who died cushioned the fall for the 1,100 other ones. (laughs) So are sheep dumb enough to walk off of a cliff? Yes, Uh, so we can cover that one. Uh, If we want to compare ourselves in that way, it's not so good. Are sheep intelligent? Another article uh, from BBC Earth uh, says this. Sheep have the reputation of being stupid, defenseless, and harmless creatures that mope about on hillsides not doing it very much. They're good for two things, being eaten and producing wool. Again, that's about all I know of sheep. But they said the reality, while sheep are dumb, while sheep will walk off of a cliff if they are not uh, being properly shepherded, says that sheep are actually much more intelligent uh, than we usually, uh, than we usually understand. Uh, they have a very impressive memory and recognition skills. Uh, they build friendships. They stick up for one another in fights, and they feel sad when their friends are sent to the slaughter. They're also one of the most destructive creatures on the planet. If we take all of this together, if we put all of these ideas together, are we like sheep? I think so. We are dumb enough to walk off of a cliff if our leader does. We also are, to an extent, very defenseless in the grand scheme of the world. But we also can build very close relationships, and we desire... This this community and this and these friendships we have memories that stick with us for all of our lives that kind of help define who we are, and so when we're looking at our comparison to sheep, uh, we we have a few things that are in common uh, that are good, and a few things in common that are quite bad. Sorry, bad. Um, and that's my last sheep joke for the day. Um, Pastor Brian said if I did any more, he would be wooly, wooly mad. (laughs) Oh, wait, that was the last one. That was the last one. (laughs) But us being like, uh, like stupid sheep is not the point of the text today. So let's get to that. If you will turn with me to John chapter 10, we are going to read verses 11 through 18. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my father. So this is the text that we are looking at today. The question that we are asking is what does it mean that Jesus is a good shepherd? What are the defining characteristics that make him the most qualified good shepherd? And what are the things that he does that go above and beyond a regular shepherd or a normal shepherd? So the first question is, what does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? What does a regular shepherd do? A regular shepherd will feed his flock. He will bring them to still, quiet water so that they can drink without being caught in the current and swept away. And he will protect them from dangers. As we read this text, and as we look at this passage, there's a there's a text from the Old Testament that will probably come to mind, uh, into your and my minds, ones that we've looked at uh, once already we will look at again before uh, before we leave today and that 's that's psalm twenty three um, in this passage, you probably remember David who 's writing the psalm is a shepherd David knows what it means to take care of sheep David knows what it means to uh, to protect them from from wolves and from danger and we even read from like lions and bears that's that is crazy, but David knows what it means to be a shepherd. He knows what a sheep needs and what they want. So David is more qualified than me to care for your sheep. If you need someone to watch for your sheep, talk to David. I know he's dead, but he'll probably have better advice than I do. Um, So immediately Jesus is saying this, and the people are remembering. They're saying, oh, where have I heard this this shepherd idea? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. They're saying, oh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And if we keep reading in the passage, if we keep reading in John chapter 11, as soon as you get to verse 19 through uh, 19, 20, 21, you're going to see that the people start getting very angry. The people start fighting and arguing with each other about what Jesus says. And why do they do that? It is because if you will remember, Psalm 23, verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so by Jesus claiming to be our good shepherd, who is he also claiming to be? He's claiming to be God. And I want you to imagine this with me. Let's, let's, we're, again, we're used to this. Do we know that Jesus is God? I think we've already confessed it today. We'll confess it again before we go. So you and I know, we kind of have this this inside information that Jesus is God. But for the first century Jew... They're waiting for the Messiah to come. They're waiting for God to come and free them from their Roman captivity, from the captivity and slavery to their sins. And so Jesus, by standing in the temple, by standing in this place with all of these teachers, is saying, I am the good shepherd. I am God who is going to take care of you. And the people start getting mad because who can claim to be God? And we would do the same thing if someone came up here and was was teaching to us and was preaching and all of a sudden said, oh, and the reason I know all of this is because I'm God come to tell you this information. We would also get very skeptical. We would also get very angry and probably drive them from our pulpit and never invite them to come and speak at our church again. So before we get all like mad at these people, like, oh, how can they be so mad at Jesus for saying this? Their hearts are still stone their eyes are closed they do not yet see jesus for who he is you and i have not only the ability of of hindsight of being able to read the full scripture and see where jesus is god but these people haven't read the rest of john john who at the very beginning in john chapter one says in the beginning was the word who is jesus and the word was with god and the word was God, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. So when you and I read the book of John, when we read and we get to chapter 10, which is about halfway through John, we are already comfortable with the idea that Jesus is God. But the crowd, the people around him, are very uncomfortable with Jesus being God. They're very uncomfortable with the idea that Jesus is their shepherd because they're still waiting for the shepherd to come. They're still waiting for the shepherd to come. As John writes in his Gospel, he's very slowly and consistently telling us that Jesus is God. Jesus created all things and we see that He is the only begotten Son of God, which means that Jesus wasn't simply born as a man, but Jesus is God who became man, right, so he wasn't just made, Jesus is not a creation, but instead Jesus is God who becomes man to be a sheep with us. This is going to be very important for us to to understand today. God is the shepherd, but Jesus has become one of us. So if Jesus is God, We're going to see salvation comes from no other place than God himself, from our good shepherd, the one who lives with us and knows us and is going to change us. So what does Jesus do that other shepherds cannot? What does Jesus do that other shepherds cannot? Burley, if you'll go to uh, verse 17 for me. Nope, verse 11. Um, He says, I'm the good shepherd. What is Jesus saying the good shepherd does? Lays down his life for the sheep. It says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now as I've previously stated, not a shepherd. I don't really care about sheep that much. Would I lay down my life for a sheep? No. And to be honest, I don't even know if there's anything that I own or that I possess that I would lay down my life for for, right? Like my house, if my house was going to burn and all my possessions in it or me die, if it was one or the other, I'll let my house burn. I'll let my car burn. These things are replaceable. These are things that I own. These are not things that I really care about to put my life in the line. Are there things that we would lay down our life for? My wife. My kids. But Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm a good husband who lays down his life for his wife. Hey, I'm a good father who lays down his life for his children. He says, I'm a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd, like we said at the beginning, is going to feed the sheep. It's going to lead them to water. And is going to protect them. If a shepherd dies are the sheep going to have good food to eat? Maybe, until they eat it. Are they going to have still water to drink? Yes, if the shepherd has brought them to that, until they wander off and find dangerous water. Are they going to be protected from things like wolves that we're going to see in John chapter 10? If the shepherd is dead, will the sheep be protected? No. So we're going to see that Jesus, by telling us he lays down his life for the sheep, is going to be saying something very confusing. He says, I'm a good shepherd and I'm going to die. Which means the sheep are defenseless. So why does Jesus die? Why does he say this good shepherd is going to die? And it's not even a possibility of him dying. Jesus doesn't say, I'm willing to risk my life for my sheep. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to go into battle. And maybe die, but instead Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I will die, I will be dead. And John knows this. When John's writing this gospel, remember, John has seen this firsthand. He has seen Jesus beaten and nailed to the cross and put into a grave. And so he knows Jesus means it when he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a commentator, his name is D.A. Carson, and he writes on this idea. He says, The good shepherd does not merely risk his life for the sheep, but instead he lays it down. So he's not just risking, he's not saying, oh, I may die, it might be dangerous, but instead Jesus is saying, I am intentionally, as the shepherd, going to die. This is a very intentional and purposeful death. Carson continues, he says, the shepherd does not die for his sheep to serve as an example, no, the assumption is that the sheep are in danger. And in their defense, the shepherd loses his life. And in the defense of the sheep, they are saved. Or in other words, the shepherd sacrifices his life so that the sheep may live. I want us to hear that again. The shepherd sacrifices his life so that the sheep may live. But we know that. right? We've heard that. We've heard the good shepherd before. You've read John before. So why are we looking at this again? Something that struck me as I was reading and studying this text. My, this wasn't my original direction for this for this message today. My, my first thought was, oh, we're just going to look at John chapter 10 and Psalm 23. And we'll see, oh, how do the two compare to each other? I wrote a whole thing. It was great. Um, But that's not the point here, right? Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Do you know what sheep were used for in first century Israel? Sheep are sacrifices. Sheep are sacrifices. And so Jesus says, I am sacrificing my life. I am laying it down very purposefully, very intentionally, so that these Creatures that are going to die can live. Jesus lays down his life so that sheep like you and me who are going to and deserve to die can live. The good shepherd, not risking his life, but laying it down for the sheep. So why is this a big deal? Why are people getting frustrated and mad even at this idea? Um, there's another another commentator I, I was reading this week um, that I had not read before. He's a he has a PhD from Cambridge. Um, he's a he's a Bible professor at the um, in a I think it's a seminary in like New England somewhere over there. Uh, his name is Rodney Whitaker, and in his commentary he says the idea of voluntary and vicarious death for the sheep is not found anywhere in the Old Testament or ancient literature. The idea of a shepherd laying down his life intentionally and vicariously for the sheep is not found anywhere else in ancient literature. So Jesus is saying, you think a good shepherd takes care of sheep. You think a good shepherd feeds them and waters them and makes sure they are safe from danger. When Jesus says, no, the good shepherd actually lays his life down so that the sheep can live. So why does Jesus do this foolish thing that no good shepherd would actually do? Because when the shepherd's dead, who's going to protect them from the wolf? Nobody. Who's going to lead them, like we said, to new, new pastures and new waters? Nobody. Nobody. So the good shepherd, if they're dead, is not going to do any good for the sheep. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the reason I'm the good shepherd is because I lay down my life for the sheep. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he lay down his life for the sheep? It's because he loves the sheep. Now, we'll, we'll get back to how does, how does this relate to us like, being taken care of because... As we said, a good shepherd who dies is not going to do a lot of good for the sheep. But give me, give me a moment. Give me a moment. Jesus loves the sheep. When we go to verse 12, we see that there's a threat of death for the sheep. And here it talks about this man who's a hired hand. Um, and sometimes uh, people have, uh, throughout history, said, Oh, who's this hired hand that Jesus is talking about? Some people say maybe it's a religious leader uh, who's only taking care of the sheep so that they can get paid. Maybe this is someone who uh, just wants the fame or the importance. But in the end, the, the hired hand is not the focus of the text. Right? The hired hand is almost a distraction from the shepherd. Right? We see that the hired hand, the, the sheep who who stick with the decent shepherd or a professional shepherd or a substitute shepherd... Are going to die. The sheep who trust someone else are going to die. It is only through the good shepherd that the sheep are going to live. All right, so let this be a, that's kind of a kind of a bonus thing for us today. Right. Who is our who is our shepherd? Is it the good shepherd or is it someone else? So why does Jesus lay down his life for the sheep? Because there is danger that the sheep are experiencing. The sheep that Jesus is talking about are under the threat of death by a wolf. And this wolf is going to come, and if the sheep are trusting in the hired hand, they are going to be scattered and torn apart and eaten by this wolf. There is no safety while the wolf is alive. And we see with the hired hand, he doesn't care about the sheep. He only cares about his own safety, and he runs. But what does the good shepherd do? Let's go to verse 13. See the good shepherd. um, Well this is the hired hand. He flees because. He's a hired hand. Cares nothing for the sheep. Uh, Verse 14 he says. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. What this means is that Jesus. Knows his sheep. And he loves His sheep individually. We we read in other places where where Jesus talks about there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them is gone. How does he know one is gone? Probably because he counts. But you know he probably knows which sheep is gone too. He knows the name of the sheep. He knows it maybe has a tendency to walk away and to run off. And again... I don't know how to distinguish sheep from each other. No clue. But for those of you who have animals, do you know the names of your dogs? Do you know the names of your cats? We know the names of our kids. We know the, th- the names of the people and the things that we are around and that we are familiar with. And Jesus, who is God, who has created You and I knows us so much and so well and so deeply. That he is going to notice us. That he knows who we are. And So the shepherd, when he lays down his life for his sheep, he's not just laying down his life for some random sheep that he's decided to take care of. But these are sheep that he has raised. Sheep that he has protected. Sheep that he has guided for probably most of their lives. He knows them individually and the shepherd knows them and lays down his life for them. And so in that same way, God, who knows us, who has seen you grow up, who has seen you get married and have children, laid down his life for sheep. That he knows by name, because you were in danger. And so was I. Jesus sees the threat of this this idea of the wolf, right? And what what is the idea of the wolf? Like we can see this as our as our sin, right? The sin that is very much in our lives, very much threatening to kill us, unless there's intervention from the shepherd this this wolf that is so often us trusting in another shepherd us putting our trust in someone else whether that's our spouses our family members our politicians our kids our own brain this wolf that is threatening to kill us sometimes we even see it as our uh, our own like struggles and addictions to our sin our own self-sufficiency, saying that we are a good enough shepherd and we can take care of ourselves. But instead, we're going to die. So Jesus comes and finds this wolf and kills them so that you and I can have a new way of living. And we get too comfortable with this idea. I know that I do. I forget this crazy idea that That God, the one who made everything, the creator and sustainer of you and I, loved a sinful person like me. That he came down and fought my sin and fought my death and killed it, but it cost him his own life. I forget that God dies so that I can live. The good shepherd laid down his life for me. And for what purpose? What purpose does Jesus die? It's so that you and I do not have to live in the same way anymore. Think about the sheep who is in a new pasture and there is no threat of a wolf. What are they free to do? They're free to go wherever they want. Right, They're free to find the best grass that is around. They're free to go to any part of the stream because the threat is gone. The threat has been removed. So with you and I, what does that mean for us? If our lives have been changed, the wolf that is our sin and our death has been killed and destroyed and thrown onto the ground. If we live in the same way we did before the wolf came, then we are wasting this perfect gift that God has given us. So Jesus being the good shepherd. Not only kills our sin and our death. But he brings us. To a new way of living. Right this reminds us. Uh, of Psalm 23. Right we said that. Uh, even though we walk in the valley. Of the shadow of death. We fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. His rod and his staff. His Take care of us. We don't have to worry about the, the valley of the shadow of death because the threat of death is gone. The threat of our sin is gone. It's been taken care of. It's been killed by the shepherd. Uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing here in in Psalm 23, the, the idea of a rod and a staff. Do you know what do you know what those two are? The rod is essentially a like a club that he would defend the sheep with. He would kill the wolf with the rod, kill the wolf with the club, but the staff is something that he uses to guide the sheep. To move them forward, to bring them to a better way of living. To a new pasture, to a new set of quiet water. And so we see the two things go hand in hand. Once the wolf is dead, the shepherd can drive us to a new way of living. The sheep doesn't stay where it was when the wolf came. But instead, the shepherd brings it to a better spot. Same as for you and me. Now that my sin is dead, I can live in a way that is newer and fuller than I ever have before. Because my sin, my guilt, my shame, my anger, my frustration is all dead. It's been been defeated and it's killed at the foot of the cross. And I can live fully for the first time. Because my shepherd is good. Because my shepherd has taken my sin and the death that I owed and has taken it himself. What else do we see in the passage? We're gonna deal with some of the harder stuff now. Right? What do the sheep do without a shepherd? Like we said at the beginning, there are fifteen hundred sheep in Turkey who walked off of a cliff because of obviously some negligence of a shepherd. There are not fifteen hundred of us here, but we've all probably been led astray at some point. We've all probably walked our own ways. To some extent, even while under the guidance of the good shepherd. We still have our own tendencies to sin. Jesus says he lays down his life for the sheep. And if the shepherd stays dead. Then Psalm 23 would actually read something like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you were with me. Your rod and your staff comforted me while you were alive. Thank you, shepherd. But that's not what we see. When Jesus continues preaching. As Jesus continues talking. Uh, we go to verse. Uh, we want, I want us to go to verse 17. It says this is why the father loves me. Because I lay down my life. So that I may take it up again. Jesus sacrifices his life. So that he can take it up again. Not only killing our death. Not only killing our sin, but giving us this new way of life by showing us Himself. He says, here, let me take all of this on you. Let me take all of your sin, all of your death on myself. And then now, let me show you how to live. We follow the shepherd. Um, when we keep, we keep looking, our shepherd is not a random Random man who's just watching our sheep, but instead we see that he is the one who sacrifices himself for us and has promised to continue watching us once he has been slain by the wolf because he has the power to stand back up. Jesus dies in this conflict with our sin and with our wolf. But at the end of the conflict, just as we looked at a few weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Jesus doesn't stay dead. Jesus stands back up. And he looks at the body of the wolf and probably gives it a good kick and says, Is that all you got? I'm going to go take care of my sheep now. see that Jesus, even as he's saying this, the disciples think that Jesus is going to live forever, probably. Jesus has been talking with him. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has said, hey, I'm going to die for my sheep. I'm going to die for my people. We even see later, uh, the next chapter, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they think, yeah, we're going to have this kingdom that's going to last forever. But Jesus is talking about his death. In John chapter 10, it's only halfway through the gospel of John. Uh, but according to um, like scholars on the book of John, Jesus is only six months out from dying. Jesus is only six months away from being crucified and killed from laying down his life for the sheep. He's laying down his life, not just to show his sheep that he cares for them, not just to be an example and say, hey, I love you. But instead, Jesus lays down his life in order to take it back up. And that sounds weird. That sounds uh, it's, it's very confusing to me. Why would you lay down your life in order to take it back up? Why wouldn't you just stay alive? That's kind of kind of the, the first thought that's in my head. But we see if the shepherd never lays down his life, he's unable to take it back up. Or if we, if we move the metaphor, we see that if Jesus never dies on the cross, he is never able to raise from the grave. And why is that so important? Why is that such a big deal? Because when we go to 1 Corinthians 15 tells us if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is pointless and meaningless and you are still in your sins. If Jesus has not died in his conflict with the wolf and then stands back up, then guess what? There's still a wolf out there somewhere. That means that you and I are still under the threat of death. But Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life so that our threat of the wolf is gone. Our sin, our punishment, our embarrassment, our shame is, is, is gone forever. And Jesus says, as he stands up, says, come join me in this new way of life. Let me lead you. Let me take you with me. God is not a shepherd who knows us and doesn't care for us. We see instead that God who becomes man, who lives among his sheep is our perfect sacrifice. In him, in our God, in our good shepherd, we can find green pastures, and quiet waters. Because of our God, we can say we fear no evil, for He is with us. Because of Him, we have salvation and fellowship with God. He says, I have this fellowship with God. My sheep know me, just as I know the Father. This means we can have a relationship with the real God who made us and knows us because of Jesus' death. Which enables us to say, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Bring us all back to Psalm 23. Praise God that he is our shepherd. I am not the shepherd. You are not the shepherd. Our pastor does a great job, but he is not our shepherd. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. That we can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Praise God. He is the good shepherd. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, for your love for sheep that do not deserve life. For sheep that do not deserve to know you, but that you have given your life for us so that we not only can live now, but we can experience a new way of living. God, help us, help us to know you more. Help us to trust you. Help our faith to be, to be one that moves and that grows as you lead us to these new pastures, as you lead us to these quiet waters. God, continue to restore us so that we may praise you, that you are the shepherd. Bring us to this fellowship that we have with you where we can sit at a table and feast with you because of your sacrifice for us. Father, take away our sin. Continue to make us holy. Continue to make us like you. Drive us to the shepherd. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.